Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our associate and student pastor, Matt Willingham. So good to see all of you this morning here at Valpo. Welcome North Judson, MPH, Westville, Hebron, our Full Throttle Campus. Want to talk? Come on, put your hands together. Let them know you're here. Come on, you could do better than that. Let them know you're awake. Come on, you're here this morning. So good to see all of you this morning. Good to see Gabe and uh, Kendra back with Eve. Baby Eve is in the house this morning. Kendra's going to hate me that I did that because she gets embarrassed. And uh, it's good to see them back with their new baby, their new addition. I tell you, and then we got other moms that are expecting. I told y'all several weeks ago, if, you don't, if you're married, you don't want a baby. Don't drink the water around here. Babies come left and right around here. Spencer, good to see you back, bro. Our VU student from out west, he's back. Good to have him back. And uh, so good to see all of you uh, this morning. And I want to take out your Bibles this morning, Luke chapter 5. That's where we're going this morning, Luke chapter 5. I want to... I'll remind you, if you're a parent of a teenager, or maybe you're a teenager, maybe you're a grandparent of a teenager, we got fall retreat coming up in two weeks, and I cannot wait for fall retreat. I promise you, if you've got a student, uh, that, Xavier, have you signed up yet? Xavier, have you signed up for, Xavier, you got to sign up for fall retreat. You got to make sure you get uh, your student to fall retreat. I promise it will be the best weekend of their life. Right, Amelia? You're going to go this year. Amelia, you're going. Yeah, you're going. Yeah, Amelia, I put you on the spot. You're going this year. And so make sure you uh, send your student to fall retreat, and we're going to have a good time. We, we usually take, pray for us. We pray, take about 80, 90 students for a weekend retreat, and we always have a great time. We got a special speaker coming in, and uh, you'll get to meet him. He's an amazing man, him and his wife, amazing people of God. And uh, so, so pray for us. In just a couple weeks, we'll be there. Teenagers, 90 of them, all weekend. No sleep. Pray for me, Jesus. Help us right now. I'm getting anxiety thinking about it. Luke chapter 5 is our text this morning. Luke chapter 5, verse 17 is where we're going to go. We're going to three, read three verses. The title of my message this morning is Talk is Cheap. Talk is Cheap. Anybody know anybody that can talk, but they can't put no actions to their talk? Right? If you're sitting next to them, don't elbow them. But you, you might know them, right? If we're honest, we all have those moments. I know I do sometimes. Luke chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. It says, one day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from the village, from every village of Galilee, and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. And some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat tried to take him into the house, and they tried to take him into the house and to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find a way, underline that if you've got a Bible, underline it in your worship, God. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd. They went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. I love verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friends, your sins are forgiven. Come on, let's pray one more time. God, I thank you for your goodness, for your grace and mercy in our lives. Thank you God, for your presence that is here, God, at every location, those who are watching online today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our minds to what it is you have to say to us today. God, let them hear your spirit speaking. God, not just my voice. Challenge and change every one of us, including myself in this place. God, let us leave different than how we were when we, when we walked in this morning, than how we were when we clicked online. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everybody said amen. 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 Talk is cheap. 
Last week, we, we had a message, and I, I want to kind of stick with, the, with kind of where we were at. Last week, we, Pastor Phil challenged us, and we talked about uh, Luke chapter 7 is where we were in our text last week. It was really a message about compassion. I don't know about you, but I had a lot of repenting to do after I heard a message on compassion, realizing and understanding how much compassion I lack. Now, we know this to be true. I've already told you my issues in my life, that I lack sympathy and empathy. Y'all know I'm broken on that side of my life, so continue to pray for me. But, but it was after kind of hearing in Luke chapter 7, it's the story of the woman, right, if you missed the message, that, that she busts up into the party and she begins to weep over Jesus at his feet, and, and, and her tears are hitting his feet. She drives his hair, or his feet with her hair, and, and the woman is a prostitute, and pe people begin to talk, and they begin to kind of criticize and, and complain about what's going on. And then the question that we looked at last week was Jesus looked at them and said, do you see this woman? Not do you see what you know about her, but do you see really who she is? And it was this challenging message of what does compassion look like in, in our own life? How is compassion at work when I look at those around me, whether it's the people I see at my school, whether it's the people I see at work, whether the people in my own life? And it's this word compassion that I'm going to be honest, again, just myself, I know I struggle with it. Compassion is defined like this. Let, let me give you a definition so we know what we're talking about. Compassion is this, a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune. How many of you can agree that's pretty easy to do, right? Come on, raise your hand. Let me see. Come on, we're all family. A feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, that we can look at someone and be like, man, that really stinks to be in that situation. Man, that really stinks to be going through that trial in life. Man, that really stinks to have those financial difficulties. Or man, that really stinks for their marriage, right? We can look at situations and circumstances, but compassion doesn't just stop there because it goes on to say that it is accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. Compassion. A strong desire to alleviate. See, that's where I struggle in my life. <laughs> that I can look at it and be like, that stinks, but I don't want to do nothing about it. Come on, don't look at, don't, don't be so judgmental to me this morning, right? That, that we look at situations and we say, man, that's, that's a terrible thing to be going through, but are we doing anything about it? There was a story about a man in Kansas who ran an ad in the newspaper, and, and his ad was very simple, that he would listen to anyone who wanted to talk for 30 minutes for $5, and he put his cell phone in the newspaper uh, ad, and his friends thought he was nuts. Number one, why would you do that, and, and, and do you, do, why would you put your cell phone in the newspaper like that? And number two, you're crazy to think that anyone who is a stranger would want to call you for 30 minutes for $5 and talk to you about their life issues. And, and, and as the ad began to go out, it was just in a matter of a few uh, hours and even a few moments that he had to change his cell phone because it was blowing up so much, people looking for opportunities just to talk to someone, wow. a total stranger. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, compassion is more than just seeing a need. We're good at that. I'm good at that. But, but it's then taking that step forward. That's what Pastor Phil spoke to us about last week. It's taking that step forward and saying, okay, but what can I do about it? What do I have the capacity in my own life? What do I have the ability to do? What has God blessed me with? Whether it's re whatever the resources look like. But what is it in my own possession that that I have. And, and if you're honest with yourself, and if you're a lot like me, I can often find, I can oftentimes find myself understanding that my compassion quotient is not always what it needs to be. Anybody else? 
that, oh, I see the need, but, but do I want to do something about it? Again, I've shared the story of, of the staff making fun of me of how lack of empathy that, or how much lack of empathy that I have and sympathy towards things that happen. And, and, and really we have to ask ourselves how much sympathy and how much empathy do we really have for those around us? And even more importantly, not only do I see it, do I notice it, but, but how much, how strong is my desire to alleviate what they're going through, to be a part of the answer that they are looking for? Because even though it doesn't come natural, this is not a natural thing that happens in our life, when you begin to look at the Word of God, we, we know it's these kind of attitudes, compassionate attitudes that, that God is full of, that, that the lack of compassion is not an attribute that reflects the God and who we believe in. The Bible presents us time and time again with a God who is full of compassion. And Deuteronomy 15 and 11 says it like this, I command you to be open-handed towards your brothers and towards the poor and towards the needy in your land. Oh, open-handed, the willingness to not only see the need, but the willingness and the, the opportunity to respond and to do something about it. And again, hear me this morning. Let me just talk to myself so you don't hate me too much. But I've come to understand, though, that when action-oriented compassion is absent, when the compassion that moves me to not just see the need, but to do something about what those around me are going through, when that is absent in my life, hear me, I'm preaching to myself, so just amen it so you know that I got issues. Uh, when I see that compassion absent in my, in my life, oftentimes it's a telltale sign that something is spiritually off in my own heart, wow. that something is lacking in my own life. And, 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 and this morning as we look at our text, we understand what, what it looks like. And when it comes to compassion, I think there's, there's several reasons, right? Again, I can talk about a lot of the obvious reasons of, of why we should be compassionate. We know we should be compassionate because that's what God wants us to do, and, and, and that, or that's who God is. And, and we want to be like God, amen? Like we want to follow after his footsteps, amen? And so hopefully that's all of us. So we know, all right, God is compassionate. That's who he is. I want to be like God. We know, too, like, all right, I should be compassionate because God commands me to be compassionate. I get, Pastor Matt, I should be compassionate because I want to obey God. Amen. We want to obey God. And, and we know, too, we know, too, though, I could talk about how compassionate is what really stirs the heart. And compassion and acts of mercy is what opens up people's hearts to Christ like nothing else. Compassion is better than any sermon you'll ever preach. Compassion is, ever than, is better than any, uh, than any Bible study you may ever have, and those are great things. But compassion opens up the doors. It opens up opportunities in order to be able to speak to someone in their life. And, and Pastor Phil told us last week, I wrote them down. I want to bring them back to remembrance about three things to increase our compassion. And this is what he said last week. This is how I wrote it down. You can write it down. It, it, said, it said, I have to be quick to notice. And I think we're good at that. I'm good at that. I'm quick to notice. All right, boom, there's a need. What can I do about it? Or boom, there's a need. I see that they're going through it. I have to be okay to shift my thinking, my theology, the way I talk. And I have to be open to interruptions. How do I increase my passion? I, I got to be quick to notice. I'm glad I'm at a church that we're quick to notice. I'm glad a lot of us in this room, I think we're quick to notice things. I think I'm, I'm quick to notice things. I, I, to be okay to shift, and we shift constantly. We're doing things. I, and many of you, you share stories of, of shifting. But I'm going to be honest, that third one, being open to interruptions, is where it gets me. That's the hardest part because guess what? I've got a calendar. i got a schedule. 
I got things I got to accomplish. I got goals for my life, right? Come on, y'all talk to me. Right? I, I got, I got uh, responsibilities I got to take care of. And I'll be honest, the interruptions in my life is where, really where I struggle. Luke chapter 5, we see a story and we see in our text of Jesus. He's in this place. We don't know if it's a house or if it's just a, a place of business. We don't know really where he's at. We know it is an enclosed location he's not out in the open public like on the side of a mountain like sometimes he will speak to people but he's in this enclosed location and the and the bible says that there's these friends who bring their friend who is paralyzed on a mat to see jesus and we see three groups of people present in our story today in our text in luke chapter 5 and we see first of all we see those people who are just there and they're the people who are just watching i call them the critics in the story because verse 17 says it like this, one day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were there. And what were they doing there? Come on, say it, read it to me. They were doing what? Come on, all right. Hopefully all of you can read. What were they doing there? They were doing what? Come on, talk to me. They, they were sitting there. And, and they're there when you begin to really understand. They're there just to criticize what Jesus is doing. They're there just to criticize what Jesus is saying. They've come all over the place not to be taught, not to hear the words of Jesus, just to sit in judgment. Well, let's see what he's going to say today. I bet he's going to say something crazy. Jesus always be saying crazy stuff. And I bet we're going to get him again today. And sure enough, he says something crazy. Boom, got him. I just knew it. He's going to say something crazy. Got it. That's not in the law. That's not of the text. And that's why they're there. I bet somebody's going to come up. and Remember that last time? Remember that one time the woman bust up in there? She was a prostitute. And he did all that. And, like, they're just there just to criticize. And they're there just to look around the room. I don't know why they're in the room. I don't know why they're here. They're just there just to dismiss and to criticize. And again, I'm going to talk to myself so I don't talk about you today. I wonder if I'm honest, how often am I the same way and I'm just the critic in the room? I'm just a critic there just to judge. I'm just a critic there just to look around and begin to criticize. I'm the critic, right, that, that sometimes it looked like this. The critic, they don't read the Bible because they already know what it says. I don't need to read the Bible. I know what the Word says about sin. I don't need to read the Bible about sin because Jesus says sin's bad. Sin's bad. I don't need to know their story. The critic. Oh, y'all so quiet today. The critic, right? Like, like, like we look at other people around us and, and we sit and we listen to a conversation just so we can get something that we can criticize them about. When somebody's telling us their story, we're not there listening to their story to understand where they came from. We're listening to their story to say, mm, and that's why you got all the issues you got right there. That's what it is. Right? And that's why your kids act crazy because of that parenting skill right there. Like, that's how we criticize people, and that's why your marriage is in trouble. We begin to just listen, right? And we, the critic, you, you sit in a, at work, and you sit in maybe a leadership meeting with, with your boss, or you're sitting in an atmosphere, and decisions are being made, and you don't even know the motives behind the decisions. You just sit there, and you criticize the, mo the moves that are being made. Well, I think that's wrong. If I was in charge, I'd do something different. They made me boss, I'd be doing something different, right? We just criticize. The critic, we look at other people. Why don't they believe in God like I do? The critic, we can look at people. Why don't they give like I give? Why don't they serve like, like I do? Why don't they come to small groups as much as I do? And, and the critic, if we're not careful, we sit in judgment of sinners with little or no understanding and even with little or no remembering of the grace of God at work in our own life. 
that had not have been for the grace of God, that could have been me. Had not have been for the grace of God, that could be my marriage. Had it not been for the grace of God in my life, that could, those could be my kids. Had it not been for the grace of God, that could be financial decisions or financial things going on in my life. And we sit and we judge and watch this. We hold people to a bar that we ourselves don't even live to. Oh, it's quiet. I know, I know. I'm going to move on in a minute. Trust me, don't worry. It gets better. But the critics are in this crowd. And if we're not careful, we can look at other people. How dare they come to church like that? How dare they talk like that? How dare they still have that issue? How dare they still get hung up on that habit? How dare their marriage look like that? And we can find ourselves compelled to watch everything and just sitting in judgment. And if we're not careful, we, we, we look for what's wrong instead of what's right. I, I'm bad about this. And my wife can quickly, and she will quickly, oftentimes call me out. My wife is the Holy Spirit when I don't listen to the Holy Spirit. And she does it in a way that gets my attention. Don't, don't be fooled by the blonde hair, blue eyes. Like she can snap on me in a heartbeat when I need it. And I'm worse about this with my own kids. I'm just going to be honest with you, particularly when it comes to sports, right? I'm pretty tough, right, on my own kids. And I remember we had got in the vehicle, and, and normally this was my train of thought. We would get in the vehicle, and I constantly just go into criticizing mode about, well, you missed that shot, and, and you missed that pass, and, man, you really had a good move there, but you didn't finish. And, I, and it was a game. It was my oldest son, Mason. He had a great game, and, and, and we get in the van, and he gets in the van. You could tell, like, he's... He's amped up and he's excited, right? We get in. I'm like, hey, man, yeah, yeah, you did good. But, hey, you know what? You missed that one pass. Like, the dude cut back door and you missed him. He was wide open. How would you not see that? And, man, the one guy, had the, he gave you the pass, said you lost the ball and went out of bounds. And, and, like, I'm just criticizing. And my wife just out of nowhere just snaps her neck. She goes, hey, how about you just shut your mouth for a second? I'm like, okay, cool. Cool, you got my attention. How about I do that? Because I could just hear the tone, right? I could hear the tone. I'm like, uh-huh, you done messed up, Matt. And she goes, how about we talk about, like, the good thing? She goes, what about that block that he had when he put it out of bounds? I'm like, yo, that was a nasty block. Like, he beat it pretty hard out of bounds. And she goes, what, what about that one three that he made? I'm like, oh, that was in somebody's eye. They were all up on him, and he cast it. And she began to under, make me understand and realize that even in that moment without realizing, I had skipped all of the good things and went right to the negative things and was just criticizing. And I felt it even in the van and even in his own life. I felt his energy just be sucked out of him. And don't look now. I know it's sports and it's my kids, but we do the same thing for people. That they come and they open up. Man, let me tell you what's going on in my life. But well, this is probably why it's happening because you got this issue going on. You probably ain't praying. You probably ain't reading the Bible. You need to do this. And if we're not careful, we'll suck the very life out of them spiritually because we're criticizing. Not compassionate, but we're, critic. we're critics in their life. And the, this is who the Pharisees were. This is who the scribes were. They were critics. And, and because of their critical attitude, they, they, were, they, they missed one of the greatest things that's about to happen right in front of them. And maybe the critics is too harsh, and, and I, I believe that's not a lot of us, but maybe there's some areas in our life that we're critical. But if, if, if it's not the critics in our life that can get in the way, then there, there, there are those who are those who were crowded. The Bible says that some men, watch this in verse 18, some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and they try to take him into the house. They're trying to take their friend into the house and lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, the crowd who was assembled there. We find in our text that Jesus is teaching in someone's home. The critics are there. They showed up. The religious people. Just there just to try to catch him. They're there everywhere he shows up. 
But then there's this other group of people. There's this crowd that has assembled there. Verse 19 tells us that the man's friend could not get him in the door because of the multitude of people that was there. Now, I know what you're thinking immediately. Well, how can a crowd be a negative thing in this story? I mean, people are there. They want to hear about Jesus. They're not the critics. They're not the religious people that are there to criticize and try to catch Jesus and they're to poke fun of other things that are going there. They're, they're there and they're, and they're hungry. I find it interesting to me in this text, this is how I read the, the text, that, that it was not architectural barriers that kept them from getting the man to Jesus. I, I find it interesting that it was not the time of day that kept him to get into Jesus. It wasn't like work hours, right? The Bible doesn't talk about it. Well, it was the middle of the day and, and they couldn't get into Jesus. It's not the time of the service. It was not the location that was the barrier of them getting to Jesus. It was not what he was preaching that was, a, that was the barrier of keeping him to Jesus. The Bible tells us in verse 19, what was the barrier? It was what? Come on. The, the, the crowd, the, the people. Now, again, I get it. They're not there to criticize me. Pastor Matt, come on, you can't pick on all them people there. The multitude of people, they're there to show up because they're excited to hear about Jesus. They're excited to hear what Christ is saying. Maybe they're there because they're heard of the miracles. They're like, yo, get your phone out in case it pops off today so you can post it on TikTok. We'll go viral with this miracle. We'll go viral with what Jesus says. I put it on Instagram, hashtag the miracle, hashtag I was there. Like, like it would be amazing, right? Maybe they're there. In good heart, because they're like, I just want to hear about Jesus. I want to hear what he says. I want to see what happens. But watch. Hear me this morning. I've come to understand in my own life, oh, I get it, that being a critic is dangerous. I get that. But you know it's also just as dangerous? Being a consumer that gets in the way. Being people, watch, watch this, that just sit and take up space. And I don't mean physically, literally in a seat. But, but we've, we've, we, if we're not careful, we allow ourselves to become so crowded. Watch. That we become so crowded, and because we're so crowded, we limit access and fellowship to Christ. Now, now, now hear me this morning. I know what you're thinking. Like, Pastor Matt, there's plenty of seats. We're not even, we're not crowded. I mean, they can sit in the balcony if they show up right now. Like, there, there's seats in the room. There's seats at North Judson. Like, like there's seats in Wanata. Like, we're, we're really not crowded. I'm not talking about a physical space. I wonder how oftentimes our heart becomes crowded with so much other things in life that we don't have the access and the fellowship of those to have access to Christ. My, my cal watch this, my calendar can become so crowded that I don't have time to be compassionate. My, my, uh, my heart can become crowded with other things. My, my own goals and my own vision for my own life. And they're good things, but if I'm not careful, hear me this morning, it can make me crowded. And this is what's happening. You would think, right, there's a crowd of people. Like, let's just say right now, somebody busts up in the doors and they're carrying somebody on a mat to get to the front. How many of you know we would probably be like, hey, yo, somebody go help. Give them a hand. Like, get them up to the front. They're trying to pray. We would probably do that, right? In this crowd, they did not do that. You would think somebody in the crowd would have been in the very back, saw the man come up on the mat, his friends carried him, and be like, hey! Hey, just a moment. We're waiting for Everybody get your phones ready. Get out the way, though. He's got to get to Jesus, and we got to get into Jesus. And when we get into Jesus, oh, it's going to be the moment we've all waiting for. And, and we can post it. We can, we can video record it. We can tell everybody we was there. No, that doesn't happen at all. Everybody stays seated in their seats. They stay crowded. 
And watch, they were more concerned about their own needs in that moment than the man who shows up on the mat. They're, they're more concerned about hearing. They're more concerned about their own ambitions. Oh, hear me this morning. And let me suggest to you, just as love breeds love, compassion breeds compassion. That those, there, there were those in that room, and I wonder how oftentimes even in our own life that there are, those, there are those of us who can recognize and remember the love and the compassion that Christ had for us. And we think about the love and the compassion that he has for us. And, oh, we're so grateful, but, oh, I don't know if there's no room for anybody else, Pastor Matt. I mean, I mean, my small group, if I get more people in my small group, like, I mean, it's my people, man. Like, we've known each other for 10 years, and we've been through everything, and, I mean, my small group, if somebody new comes in, what if their story's crazier than my story? And, and then all the tension goes to them, and it's not on me anymore. I know y'all don't think like that. I'm, this is for everybody else that ain't here. This is for the other people. But watch, watch. If we're not careful, even when it comes, I challenge our students with this all the time. Because even when it comes to our small group and our circle, if we're not careful, it's no longer a circle. It's a click, and nobody else gets to come in. And we don't allow others to join. Oh, but we're crowded. I mean, I mean, I'm full, and I don't mean physically, but I'm just, there's no other space in my life. And listen, what are we supposed to do? We are, we are called, we are supposed to be conduits of God's love, not reservoirs, not just holding it all in for ourselves. Oh, thank God for God's grace and mercy. Thank God for his compassion in my own life. But listen, it's not just for me to hold in. The Bible is clear that, 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 it's clear that the compassion is an attribute of God. Oh, I totally get that. I'm glad that he loved me. I'm glad that he's compassionate towards me. I'm glad that he's sympathetic. I'm glad that he sees me in my distress. I'm glad that his compassion is what moved him to send his son Jesus to this earth to live and to die for my sins but oh church let me remind you it's not just for me it's not just for you for God so loved the world that he sent his son for God so loved the world that he was compassionate and his compassion moved him and his compassion is new every morning I'm not consumed because of his faithfulness and his goodness in my life but if I just hold his compassion for myself what good am I doing to the kingdom. If I just hold his compassion for me, how are lives going to be changed around me? And I don't think that's us this morning. Maybe we've caught ourselves being critical. Maybe we've caught ourselves being part of the crowd. But this is where I, I believe the Holy Spirit is really stretching us right now. Then there are those who took action. Those who took action. It was the compassionate that showed up. The Bible says they show up and they get to the crowd, or they get to the place where Jesus said, and the Bible says they cannot get in because of the crowd, because of the multitude of people. But then watch, it doesn't stop there. It says, then they went on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. It took action. This is what compassion is. It's not just seeing needs, but it's being willing to shift. It's being okay to interruption. I, I can imagine. I can imagine these four friends, five friends, six friends. I don't know how many it is. I mean, think about it. They had every excuse in the world to not even try to get this man to Jesus. This man is paralyzed. He's on a mat. Maybe they had to take off time off work during the day. Maybe they had to call some other friends. They probably had every excuse in the world that they could have made not to get this man to Jesus. Man, listen, I would love to take you 
Billy. But, uh, I mean, listen, you had three cheeseburgers yesterday. You put on a few more pounds. I don't know if we can get enough help just to carry your big behind over there. But uh, so I'm, maybe next time you go on a fast to lose some weight, we'll get you next time. I don't know. Maybe they could have said that. They could have said, listen, I'm busy. Ooh, on Tuesday, ooh, Tuesday's bad for me. But Wednesday, if Jesus was here on Wednesday, oh, we could have got you there easily. Wednesdays work better than Tuesdays for me, Billy. You know, you know I'm slammed on Tuesdays. They could have maybe had that excuse. I don't know. I mean, maybe they could have even had the excuse of, like, I don't want to be seen carrying another grown man through city on a mat. That's just weird to me. I ain't, I ain't secure enough in my manhood to carry you through the whole city parading you around. I don't know what they could have said, but they had every excuse not to do so. And even up to the point when they get to the house, they get there, and the Bible says that they get to the place where he's at, and they could not get in because of the crowd. Now, I'm going to be honest. If it was me, that's where the story would stop. Hey, Billy, we tried, dog. I don't know what to tell you. We, we did what we had to do. We're going to get you Uber. We'll get you back home, but I'm out. I, I told you I'd give you two hours, and it's been two hours. I'm out. Hey, man, listen, we, we, we did what we could, but, I mean, you hear the people in there criticizing. You don't want to be around them anyways. They're probably negative people. They're going to judge you while you're even on the mat, say it's because of your sin. Like, we don't want to take you in there. And there's all these people, and I don't want to push you to crowd. They could have had every excuse. And I wonder, listen, hear me this morning. Go back to verse 19. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, comma. I wonder what our response is at the comma when it comes to dealing with people around me. I wonder what our response is even in our own life. Well, you know what? When I, I was willing to be compassionate, but when I heard their story, woo, they crazy, Pastor Matt. I cannot deal with crazy right now. Oh, you know what, I was, I mean, listen, they're, uh, you know, my, my kids are trying to hang out with their kids because they said their kids need to be friends and, and uh, you know, they need some good influences, but man, they're, they're, their kids are bad and they're just being bad influence on my kids. And so until, you know, I was willing to do it until their kids started influencing my kids. I mean, I was willing to try it. I was willing to, you know, get in a small group. You know, I tried to get in a small group, and it didn't work out. You know, I was willing to change, you know, think my thought processes until it didn't work out. And if we're not careful, when it becomes inconvenient, oh, it was inconvenient. As, as if it had not become inconvenient enough yet, then they get to where they're going, and they can't get in. And if we're not careful... We only are willing in my own life when it comes to people around us to go a certain place, to go a certain extent. And watch, we put limitations on God's grace and God's love and, our mer and God's mercy and his forgiveness and his miracle working power and you can keep going and his joy and his hope and we can fill in the blank for more and more. We put limitations on God's, uh, on all of those things from God simply because we put limitations on ourselves. I love to read about these four men and I've often wondered how they carried this man on the bed to get to Jesus. I, I could probably even, and maybe that's another message for another time, I could even talk about the man himself on the mat. I mean, think about how humbling it had to be. How humbling it had to be just to get on the mat and be carried through town. I don't know how long the journey was. Come on, Pastor Lindsay. I don't know if it took a couple hours. I don't know if it was a couple miles. I don't know if it was right around the corner, but... But either way, I mean, I'm, I'm a grown man. Either way, humbling myself to lay down and being carried through town, that's a humbling process. And oftentimes, maybe you're not the critic or the crowd or the compassionate. Maybe you're here this morning and that's you on the mat. And because sometimes we're not willing to get on the mat and be carried, yeah. well, I would never get on the mat. It's too humiliating. I would never 
get in a small group and talk about my issues. I would never get in a small group and just get in a Bible study and, and let iron be in, uh, a sharpening iron like the word says. I would never let people close to me in my life. Okay, well, if you're not willing to get on the mat, have fun, just continue to struggle with the things you're struggling with. Yeah. Okay, you're not willing to. I mean, it, it took him to be the willingness to be carried in order to get his miracle. And sometimes we're not willing just to be carried ourselves. Sometimes I thought about tiling this message, borrowed faith. Because sometimes we're not willing to, we don't have the faith ourselves, so we're not willing to let other people's faith carry us to where we need to get us. I mean, I don't have the faith to see that miracle, but I got people around me that can. I don't have faith to see my marriage restored, but I got people in my life speaking to me that can. I, I don't have faith in my life to, to, to know that I'm a mom and a dad and I'm raising these kids the way God has called me to be and, and I'm raising these kids in a godly way but I got people around me that, that, that have faith and they can see it and I, I look at these gentlemen and as they approach the house and they find the men and the women standing outside listening to Jesus maybe they can hear the mumbling of the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the people being critic maybe they can see through the doors they can see past the crowd and they had every every right to walk away and say man we tried they walk up and they can't get in they see the crowd sitting there comfortably the critics are right right in front of Jesus sitting there comfortably comfortably close to Jesus, but there's no room for them to get their friends. But looking around, the Bible says, they look up and they see the roof. And they're like, oh, snap, I got an idea. I th- we can't get in this way, but, but I see another way to get to Jesus. Yeah. And the Bible says that they picked the man up out of desperation, maybe. Out of great faith, I think. Out of maybe a desire and a willingness of like, hey, we've come this far. Ain't no way we turn around without what we came for. That, that, that maybe, maybe it's their love and the compassion of Christ that drove them. That the man who's laying on the mat, they say, hey, hey, bro, Billy, we brought you here. We can't get in. We ain't leaving here till we get what we came for. I'm taking you to the roof. I can imagine Billy. I don't know if his name's Billy, but that's what I'm calling him today. I can imagine Billy like, hold up, hold up, hold up, fellas. Listen, I trusted you to just walk on flat ground and get me here. But now you're about to take me to the top. I don't know if I trust you that much. Now you're about to carry me up to another place. I don't know if I trust you that much. I could even talk about the faith that this man has in his friends. That How long did it take to clear away a hole large enough? I don't know. But I would, admit, I would imagine to say it wasn't something very quick. I would imagine to say it was a process as they begin to rip through the mud and the straw and the things that the house was made upon. I mean, again, imagine right now somebody start ripping a roof off this place. Number one, Pastor Field guy, security, go ahead, get on up there, get them out of here. We ain't having all that. It's going to take a minute. So imagine the crowd beginning to, to begin to talk. Imagine the critics maybe, maybe speaking up again. What are they doing on the roof? What are they, crazy? This is somebody's house. Who's going to pay for the roof now? Somebody's got to pay for this. Imagine all of the stuff going on they begin to rip the roof off. Paul says it like this, that God has recognized, reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, which means that now we have been given the responsibility and the ministry of reconciliation. That it's my responsibility, that because of what he's done for me, that I do it for someone else. And so here are these friends. They take him up to another level. They change, watch, they change the elevation in which this man can see. Because you imagine he's laying down on a mat. He can't see nothing but feet and crowds of people. 
And they say, you don't see a way to Jesus, but I'm going to get you up here on top. You're going to see a way in a minute. What, what, am I, what am I trying to say to you this morning? It's sometimes, listen, it's our faith at work in our own life that can challenge and change someone else. That we can look at them and say, you know what? I can, let me tell you what I see that you can't see. I know you don't see a way to Jesus, but I do. I know you don't see a way to break that habit, but oh, I see a way that you can break that habit. I know you don't see a way for your marriage to be restored. This is what compassion does. It doesn't just take them to the spot, but it says I'm willing to get you wherever I got to get you so I can get you in front of Jesus. I know you can't see it because your vision is limited. I know you can't see it because your perspective is off. But if I can get you higher, if I can take you to another level, if I can take you to a place where you will see something different, you don't see a life that can be full of purpose, but oh, I see it. Let me show you how to get to it. You don't see your kids acting right. Oh, but I see it. Let me show you. You don't see your finances being set free. But oh, I see it. Let me get you to him. Listen, what am I trying to say to you this morning? I think that real compassion, I want you to stand because we're about to pray. I think real compassion at work, hear me this morning. Real compassion at work in our lives is when we're able to change the perspective of those around us. Can you imagine the defeat this man faced when he got there and he said, we came all this way, we can't get to Jesus. And his friends are like, hold up, Billy, we got you. There's another way. I know you thought it was defeat, but there's another way to to get to him. And, And we know, watch this, we know the story. They ripped the roof off and they lower him down. And what speaks to me more than anything is verse 20. I read it to you earlier. Can I read it to you again? It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. I don't have time this morning, but I can talk about how he, he saves him first and then he heals him. So he's, he's giving him wholeness. But when they lower him off through, now when we read other stories in, in the Bible and other, other stories of miracles in the gospel that oftentimes Jesus will look at people and say, hey, it's your faith that has made you well. Your faith has made you whole. Hey, your faith, right? Uh, the, the lady with the issue blood who came and touched you, your faith has made you well. Go and sin no more. There's often times that we look and we see Jesus doing miracles and, it's, and it's, he looks at him and he says, it's your faith, it's personal. But in verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, who? The friends. The ones who were compassionate enough not to leave the man laying on the mat, the one who was compassionate enough to say, you know what, I'm, I'm not just going to see the need, but I'm going to shift my schedule. We got to get him to Jesus. And oh, we're there and, and, and we can't even get to him. Well, we're going to interrupt this thing. We're going to rip the roof off. We're going to get him to Jesus. What am I trying to say is there's people in our life. Why is compassion so important? There's people in our life that, listen, they don't have the faith. That's okay. Jesus says your faith is what's going to get them made well. Jesus said we, they, they don't have the faith to see what they need. Jesus looks at us and says, if you go and use And if you go and let me use you, it's going to be your faith that's going to change your life. It's going to be your faith, borrowed faith, that is going to give them the miracle that they came looking for. They thought, he thought he wasn't going to get what he needed. He thought he was going to leave paralyzed, but his friends like, no, no, no. We're going to take you to another level. We're going to take you to a place that you cannot see. We're going to take you to a place that you cannot get to. We're going to rip the roof off this place. And it was their faith that made him whole. Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. 
Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.